greet you again in the name of Christ and are thankful to be with you. And I want to invite you uh, back to the eighth chapter of the prophet Hosea, where we were last week. I'm so thankful to your pastor for this invitation. Um, in my role, it is my delight to be at a church two weeks in a row. I um, Many times I give a pastor a break, but uh, still while he's away, he's kind of getting ready for that next week. And if I can be there two Sundays, he can actually have a week of being in the twilight zone <laughs> and uh, not doing that preparation. So we are thankful yeah. to the Lord for that. And um, I have been affirmed in my declaration of how superior South Florida is because the water is warm all year long. <laughs> Last week, um, I told Pastor I wanted to give some glimpses of the character of God in Hosea. And last week, we examined the earlier parts of chapter 8. And we came away clearly resolved that God clearly knows the difference between genuine repentance and what we call superficial religious repentance, where we are doing religious acts, we are saying religious things. You remember, they even say, God, we know you. And yet our hearts and our natures are far from being turned to God. So I want to read again in the eighth chapter, but this time I want us to just kind of think about the fact that the failure to repent by God's people is extremely consequential for their witness. Extremely. And I will just say this as Israel was to be a light to the nation. So everyone, many people understand in the Gospels, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But in the Old Testament, God told Israel, you all are to be a light to the nations. And the failure to repent affects the witness of God's people as they supposedly, supposedly represent the living God. Now, why that matters for us is obviously we as followers of the Lord God want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're also part of a larger network of fellowship, convention of churches that wants to have a corporate witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We support it by missions giving. We support it by organizing for missions, but none of that matters if God's people are not anointed and blessed and empowered by God. So there's a relationship between repentance and our witness. So let's, let's, let's listen again to these words of the prophet Hosea to God's people. Put the horn to your mouth. One like an eagle comes against the house of the Lord because they transgress my covenant and rebel against my law. Israel cries out to me, my God, we know you. Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. We laughed last week. 
Doesn't matter how much you say you know the Lord, God knows whether or not we are walking close with him. They have installed kings, but not through me. They have appointed leaders, but without my approval. They make their silver and gold into idols for themselves, for their own destruction. Your calf idol is rejected, Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For this thing is from Israel, a craftsman made it, and it is not God. The calf of Samaria will be smashed to bits. Indeed, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. There is no standing ground. What sprouts fails to yield flour. Even if they did, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the nations like discarded pottery. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey going off on its own, eat from his paid for love. Even though they hire lovers from among the nations, I will now round them up and they will begin to decrease in number under the burden of the kings and leaders. When Ephraim multiplied his altars for sin, they became altars for sinning. Though I were to write out for him 10,000 points of my instruction, they would be regarded as something strange. Though they offer sacrificial gifts and eat the flesh, the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their guilt and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces. Judah has multiplied fortified cities. I will send fire on their cities and it will consume their citadels. Let me read again from that eighth verse. Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the nations like discarded pottery. Once I knew of a family where the marriage had fallen apart but in order to maintain certain appearances, they were still in this house together. I'm just saying house, I'm not saying home. Uh, some of you all might know a theologian named Luther Vandross who said a house is not a home. <laughs> I'm using those words differently. But in order to maintain a certain appearance to family members, to friends, to other outsiders, the mother was basically living upstairs and the father was basically living downstairs. Now the kids that were in that house, they knew this dysfunction and separation, but to many people on the outside of the house, everything appeared as normal. And that's just characteristic of, uh, of several things, characteristics in our society. People like to maintain appearances, save face, put up a front. Um, when I was young in my 20s, I knew a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends that were broke, but they didn't want to give the appearance of being broke. And so they were broke, but they would like, uh, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, Banks would give you any kind of loans. They would be broke. They would be driving a nice car because they wanted to impress some young lady. 
broke, but wanted to look good. I hope as y'all read scripture, I hope you understand that God cares nothing about appearances. God cares nothing about saving face. When God's people are out of relationship with him, God has no problem chastising them, disciplining them, even to the point of making them a spectacle. I remember as a teenager, I was always moved reading through Ezekiel because God said, if you refuse to repent, I will pull up your skirt and expose your nakedness. And I was, I, I remember as a child, like that really like, like God doesn't do hypocrisy and saving face. And so here, Hosea is sent to the 10 northern tribes to warn them, if you don't turn back to God from your idolatry, God will chastise you. He's going to use the Assyrian nation. He's going to use another nation to come in and chastise you. And we saw last week where earlier in the top verses, they were saying religious words. My God, we know you, but their hearts were far from God. In the middle verses, verses four through six, they had chosen ungodly leaders who were leading them in ungodly ways. God says, y'all chose leaders that I did not appoint. But I find it real interesting here in the eighth verse, it says Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the nations like discarded pottery. Do y'all ever hear people talk about where the Christian church is situated in society? And we talk about the society turning against God and turning against Christianity and being against the church which is like a whole different conversation than saying, is the church in society without God? I don't think the church is weakened. I don't think the church is plateaued and declining because society is so strong. Society is so secular. The pagans are taking over. I think the church is the way the church is. And I mean, our corporate witness in the United States of America, because the church is unfaithful to God and we are powerless. I don't think the world is strong. I think the church is powerless. And so he says here in the eighth verse, speaking to the 10 northern tribes, Israel is swallowed up. And in the Christian standard Bible, which is better than ESV. No. <laughs> in the Christian Standard Bible, it has an exclamation point. Say, hey, I, uh, Hosea said, hey, you, you all are destroyed. You're being destroyed. Your idolatry, your rebellion, your refusal to, report, to repent is swallowing you up. <clears throat> what do you think is easier as a spiritual habit, as a spiritual discipline? Is it easier to look outside of yourself and blame your current scenario on things and people around you? Or is it easier to look in the mirror 
We said that last week. I told you about that theologian, Michael Jackson. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. And many times it's hard for us to start with the person in front of us in the mirror. Assyrians, the Assyrians have not yet conquered the 10 northern tribes. They are in their own dysfunctional state. They are in a weakened state because they are distanced from God. Right now, they have not been conquered by any uh, opponent. They have been, they have walked away and walked back from God. And Hosea says, Israel is swallowed up. I don't want to be like that. I want to be, uh, in the words of Ephesians 5, I want to be filled with the Spirit. In the picture we saw on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit descended upon the church and was over every believer like a tongue of cloven fire, I want to be filled with the Spirit, and I want to know I'm walking close with the Lord. I want to walk in His Word. I want to be in fellowship with God's people. I want to be pursuing righteousness. I want to be repenting of sin. I want to, I want to see repentance as a regular Christian habit. You know, some people, I know, I know people, I know it's, it's not the best to say some people make me sick, but some people make me sick. <laughs> Claiming the heritage of the Reformation and Luther's first thesis was that the Christian life, when Jesus said repent, he means you are always repenting. And some of the most prideful, arrogant, unrepentant, not humble folk are people who call themselves in the line and in the tradition of the Reformation. Israel is swallowed up. Can, can, can you see your present status? Will y'all, Hosea, will y'all hear me? I've shown you this picture of me and, and Gomer. I've shown you this picture of an unfaithful spouse. I've shown you this picture of a, of, of a, of a husband calling out to his wife, come back, come back in chapter 2. And so by the time we get to chapter 8, can't y'all see that you've been swallowed up by your unfaithful can you be real and honest about what's going on and I don't know I told you last week I don't know all your friends I don't know all your interactions but you interact with other Christians and y'all know some of us have a problem just like being real about what's going on yeah. I have a cousin <laughs> She was, uh, she was one of those people that overposts on social media, so she puts her whole life out there. Um, overshares. Saying, oh, I'm just so frustrated today. Trying to get my size 10 me into these shorts I bought when I was a size 6. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's just, uh, I mean, I don't post stuff. I call her. Okay, that's just some some woman stuff, because any man does math and know that you ain't getting a 10 butt in those six pants. <laughs> but we have a hard time looking at reality. And I don't blame brothers and sisters in the churches. Pastors have had a hard time looking at reality. And we've not been honest with reality about people. We are not filled with the spirit of God because we are not walking close to God. No one can look at the people of the church and say, we are really distant from the idols of our culture. 
If the idols of our culture are power, sex, money, ethnocentrism, no one would look over into Americanized Christianity and say, yes, the church is really separated from those idols. Yeah. So Hosea says, you are swallowed up. And what, what is the outward manifestation of being swallowed up by idolatry because we're not repentant and walking close to God? Now, they are among the nations like discarded pottery. So when I was a kid in Washington, D.C., Baptist Church on Capitol Hill, drunk people like took their bottle down from their mouth when they walked past the church we were going in on Sunday. Sometimes they would even put their bottle in their bag across the street Walk up a little bit more, come back over. And they, they didn't want to walk past the front of the church drinking and being drunk. People used to run for mayor of Washington, D.C. Uh, they would come one Sunday and not say anything, just kind of sit and visit the church, ask the church to pray for them, different candidates, both different parties and stuff. Um, and this was people that were Christians. So they had a certain level of esteem and respect for the church. And Hosea says, distance from God and the lack of God's power can produce a commonality among people who are professing to be the church of the living God where they are among the nations just like discarded pottery. And the difference the way the church and Christians are treated in society today gives you a good indication that even the natural eye can discern discarded pottery. Yeah. Whew. Even the natural eye can discern that. For example, in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says that the pagans and the heathens blaspheme the name of God because of the blast, because of the hypocrisy of those claiming to be Christians in Rome. So unbelievers are able to spot a hypocrite. Unbelievers are able to spot a phony. Unbelievers know when you are chasing the same idols that they are chasing. Before I was a pastor, I was a chaplain in the county jail where my wife is from, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Hamilton County, Tennessee. And guys in jail, they would say, uh, they would say, Reverend Game knows game. Yeah. Meaning phonies know phonies, hypocrites know hypocrites. Mm -hmm. And the church and God's people, if they are among the nations, among the unbelieving population, like discarded pottery, then we have no distinction that would bring glory to God and our witness is weakened. In Romans 9 and Romans 10, God, Paul says that God can make his people as pots, he can make any of humanity as pots of honor and distinction or as pots of shame. And um, it's not that Christianity is a shame. Right. It says some of the stuff among us is a shame because Christianity is growing in Iran. Amen. 
Christianity is growing in China. Christianity is growing in Nigeria where people with Christians get kidnapped. So no, no, it's not like Christianity. So this is not like, like right now, he's talking to the 10 Northern tribes. Uh, he's not talking to the two Southern tribes. This, this, this is a, a localized removing of God's power that causes the people to be weak and to be an embarrassment in the setting in which they find themselves and they are anything but a witness to the glory of the living God. And we certainly want to be that. I mean, we're the people who learn to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. We want to be a witness for the kingdom of the living God. He says, y'all among the nations like discarded pottery. What's the solution? What's the answer? It's the thing that they refuse to do. I've been, I, 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 I've been in a certain zone for a while. I preached a few weeks ago at the pastor's conference at the Southern Baptist Convention. And I said, you know, there's hope for what we need done, but... You know, there's, we, we've got a hindrance. It's pride and it's unwillingness to repent. The key to turning this situation around is repentance. God is not sending a message to the 10 northern tribes through Hosea to condemn them. God is sending a message of some of the things we've been singing about, mercy and grace and redemption. Like, hey, I can bring you back right now if you will repent and turn back. And they respond with one of my favorite biblical metaphor pictures, the stiff neck. <laughs> I wasn't a, uh, I didn't grow up in a timeout house. <laughs> and so my parents would try to get me to do something, to go over there or whatever. You know, if you tried to, to resist, they didn't say, oh, okay, go over there and take time out. No, I was like, you <laughs> <laughs> go over there like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't grow up around time out. I grew up, grew up around do what I say or feel the, or feel the consequences. Yeah. This is a long, extended plea to repent. Remember I told you last week, the minor prophets are called the minor prophets because of the length. So Ezekiel and Jeremiah, Isaiah are longer. Extended. Please to repent. And if God makes plea after plea after plea to repent, then how long are his people refusing to repent? Dear brother, Kevin Jones is riding with me today. He's our camp pastor at uh, Skycroft. He knows my late pastor, DJ Ward. And uh, Main Street Baptist Church, we started at 11 o'clock. Sometime we finished at one. The radio broadcast ended at one. Sometime we finished at 1.15. Sometime we finished at 1.30. If anybody said somebody said, Elder Ward, you, 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 you preach long. He would always say, because y'all sin long. <laughs> <laughs> All these long 
actors, these three major, long, major prophets, four, all these long chapters show you how long and how patient God called his people to repentance. And sadly, I mean, you've read Kings, and if you've read Kings and Chronicles, sadly, there's going to be a place where the Assyrians do conquer the ten northern tribes. There's going to be a place where the Babylonians do conquer the two southern tribes. But I want you to look at this tra trajectory here. How long did the people not repent? Well, they got what they deserved, right? They refused to return back to the Lord. They were conquered by foreign nations. They got what they deserved, right? End of story. Oh, how merciful is the loving God. People who were cast away, people who were justly chastised for their idolatry will yet have a savior come to them who is Christ our Lord. One of my favorite hymns is Victory in Jesus. I like all the verses, but I like the last verse. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. So don't just think the distance of heaven to earth or the distance of a holy God to sinful humanity. <clears throat> think how long God has been calling his people to repentance. Think about how long God has been tolerating and being patient with idolatrous rebellion. And yet, he still maintains purpose of sending his son to be a propitiation for the sins of his people. And yet he still provides a way of redemption for people and their descendants who have rejected him, rejected him, rejected him. So what do we want to walk away thinking? I would encourage you, I would beg you, Israel is swallowed I would beg you, when you're talking to friends, when you're engaging other brothers and sisters in Christ, when you're thinking about your own self, don't always think of the weaknesses of our Christian witness as being caused or influenced by something external. Stop looking out there so much and let's look at us. The Hebrew writer said we should consider ourselves, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and we should come together and provoke one another unto good works. That's what I did yesterday. I, I wasn't, I probably wasn't the most gracious sister now. You're an engineer, go buy your butt some new shorts. Get out of the delusion. <laughs> it's funny getting older. All my cousins, we the same age. It's so funny getting older. 
you, all this stuff happens to you and all that kind of stuff. Okay, there's, there's the getting older, and then there's like the male and the female version of getting older. It's so funny. It's so funny. My female cousins, they kind of resist stuff. All my male cousins, are like, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Let's deal with us. Yes, the media, academic, educa- educational institutions, the cultural elites, the political systems, all those things are what they are, but not God's church of power. The aha! The only people that can rob God's church of power is God's people. The dysfunctional Congress that's been dysfunctional my whole adult life cannot rob God's church of power. Movie producers cannot rob God's church of power. When he says, Israel, you are swallowed up, that's because of the results of their idolatrous rebellion. So let us examine ourselves. The meat of the Old Testament is God calling his people back from idolatry. But don't forget, 1 John, that letter at the end of the New Testament, it ends with this one little simple phrase, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. So I'd advise you to know the idols that are around you and make sure you stay away from those things. And remember now, remember the first remember the first six verses. We have a way of dressing up our idols in religion. So I'm not greedy and consumeristic and materialistic. I believe in a prosperity gospel. And I think God wants me to be greedy and consumeristic and materialistic. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah, yeah. I'm not not idolatrous about the political process. I think the Democratic agenda or the Republican agenda is God's agenda. But we need to be careful about the idolatry around us and make sure that we stay away from those things. No, I don't think black is superior or white is superior. I think we are the people of God. Well, the people of God are those of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. We got to resist the idols around us. And this country is power, sex, money, and ethnocentrism. We certainly aren't power grabbers. I mean, Christians don't have like a symbol symbol, but if we had a symbol symbol, it would be our Lord with a basin in John 13. I guess we have, I guess globally the fish means something, but if we had a symbol that was symbolic of the kind of persona of Christ, it's either the cross or the Lord of glory with a basin in John 13. So we, we, we aren't power grabbers. The Bible says all of creation is upheld by the power of Jesus Christ's word. And they pulled hairs out of his beard. We aren't power grabbers. Pilate fronting on him. Why aren't you talking to me? Don't you know I got the power to destroy you or to crucify you or to let you go? And I mean, Jesus didn't flex with power. He just said, yo, uh, you really couldn't have no power. That is like a real, like, quiet, subtle flex. You really could have no power over me at all, except my father gave it to you from above. But that's all he said. It's not like he said, you don't have no power over me. Bam! Smacked him in the face. You don't have power over me. But it wasn't a power grab. 
The crucifixion is the ultimate. It's not about a power grab. And the resurrection is the ultimate. I have all power. And you all have seen me live a life. It was not about a power grab. We got to resist those idols. Power, sex, money, ethnocentrism. Those who are believers of the scripture, followers of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we've got to resist those idols. Israel is swallowed up. Now they're like cheap, discarded pottery among the nations. So let us be able to examine ourselves. Let us be weary, weary, weary of the idols that are around us. And then finally, let us be concerned about our witness. Evangelical Christians, Bible-believing Protestants in the U.S. have probably developed hundreds of evangelism strategies and evangelism methodologies. I grew up, when I was a kid, when the Lord changed my life, it was evangelism. I mean, the thing was evangelism explosion. If you died today, why would God let you in your heaven? <laughs> then it was the Roman road. We've had lots of, uh, and I'm Southern Baptist, so I mean, you know, we had the thing with Bobby Welch was the president going around on the bus, and we had faith, and I used to love faith because, uh, you know, it was the methodology. So, like, could I get to the F-A-I-T-H before somebody shut the door in my face? <laughs> F, free, hey, it's available. <laughs> We've had all these methodologies, but brothers and sisters, None of that helps if the world sees us as discarded pottery. And I think sometimes Christians think that spiritual discernment is the, I think Christians don't value the fact that people can just naturally discern things. Corinthians says, you need the discernment of the Spirit to say Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. You don't, but the, the natural, natural people can discern things too. I told you those guys in jail, they know what a hypocrite is. They know who's a hypocrite. And I think with our methodology and our missions methodology and all the things that we have, sometimes the unbeliever clearly recognizes that the people who call themselves Christians in this culture, I discarded pottery. And we wonder why we aren't seeing the fruit that we're seeing in Iran and China and Nigeria and some other places around the world. Many times they know we're discarded pottery. I was so discouraged one time. I was pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, we were planting in a near public housing project. And um, at that time, our congressman from Chattanooga was a Baptist. He went to Red Bank Baptist Church. His name was Zach Wamp. W-A-M-N-P. I was like, yeah, that's a politician's name. Vote for Zach Wamp. They used to tease him by his name. But I was so discouraged, sister, because he would say, um, he would say one of the most discouraging things on Capitol Hill is like, the Christians play some of the same lobbyist games that the non-Christians play. 
And he was like Christians, he's like some of the Christian lobbies will try to manipulate you and lock you up in some of the same ways that the tobacco industry would, or this other industry, or that other industry. And so we want to be a witness for the Lord on Capitol Hill, but we're using the same idolatrous methodology as anyone else. And I can remember, I guess I was maybe late 20s. I remember being so discouraged by that. That little game I told you about at the beginning, where let's act like we're still in a home together, but the mother's upstairs and the father's downstairs so we can save face. God doesn't play that game. God doesn't play that game. To be discarded pottery says nothing about the glory of God says everything about the unfaithfulness of those claiming to be his people. And even Philistines and Jebusites and Canaanites can recognize that. But what can we be when we are filled with his spirit and we're submitting to him? Do y'all remember and God often did this. God often reminded them, y'all used to be something. Y'all messed it up. Y'all remember when Israel came out of Egypt? Other kings and other nations would be up in the mountains watch, watching Israel. And sometimes it was more of them up there. But they were scared of Israel down there. And they was like, Israel's God is among them. Yeah, yeah, the academic elites are the academic elites, the cultural elites are everything that pushes against godliness is pushing against godliness, but that has nothing to do with the lack of power in the church. Lack of power in the church has to do with our hearts being settled to God. I just want to urge you this morning, God loves his people so much that even after all this that we have studied in the book of Hosea, he sent his son to die for his people. Even after all of this, the angel still gave that sweet message. His name shall be called Jesus and he shall save his people from their sin. There's no sin that the Lord won't forgive, including idolatry. So like I told you last week, Disciple that person whose teeth you brush. And then talk to your friends, whether they're here or whether they're in other churches, and make sure their hearts are true. Nobody knows when you're slipping away like your friends do. As a pastor, I've always warned people about new jobs, new relationships, all those kind of things, because as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to sometimes sadly see some of those things distract people away from faithfulness to God. And so let us examine those things. The last thing I would tell you, if you know someone like this, if you know someone that you're going to share this with, if you know this is convicting you, the solution is the same thing it's always been through all of these prophets. Repent and turn back to God. He will receive and cleanse and forgive.
First John 1 John 1.9 is my closing verse that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've seen Democrats and Republicans over the last four years repent of political idolatry. I've been a pastor long enough to see parents repent to their children over worshiping their jobs more than loving their children. I've seen spouses repent over worshiping jobs rather than loving their spouse. God is able to renew. God is able to restore, but we must be humble. He gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So we must repent and bow before God and acknowledge those things. So maybe this is you or maybe this is you being a blessing to someone else who you know has drifted. And maybe that person has drifted. You might be like frustrated with them. Ha! I'm tired of talking to them. Just remember how long Isaiah was, how long Jeremiah was, how long Ezekiel. Just remember how long God called out to unfaithful people. And surely you and I don't want to have a shorter fuse than the holy God. We don't want to be in a position where God is still reaching out in love and God is still calling and we've written somebody off. No! If I could sing, I used to love this whining song when I was little. Jesus is calling. Listen to his voice. Tenderly saying, come this day, make your choice. Say, why do you tarry so long? You're wasting such precious time. There's no need for more delay. Come to Jesus now. Idolatry leaves us nowhere. The world knows that. Christians know that. May we humbly repent and draw real close to him and be empowered. Let me pray for you.